This is Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 72, Connection. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. How is everybody doing? Hopefully enjoying the beautiful weather. I always have to start by talking about the weather. (laughs) It is the month of May and in North America, both in Canada and the U.S., it is actually Better Speech and Hearing Month. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I thought for that reason, I would dedicate the month of May to communication. Back on episode, I think it was 66 or 67, I talked about the role of a speech language pathologist with concussion. And then we did a bit of a deep dive on what SLPs do with that role. And I'm not going to do that here again, but check that episode if you want to learn. Remember that all learning is building up your cognitive reserve and creating new pathways. You're feeding and exercising your brain. So you want to learn all that you can. But in that episode, we also talked about the importance of communication because we are constantly communicating. It's one of the things that we do all day long. We communicate with ourselves through our thoughts and our feelings and sensations, and we communicate with others through our words, whether spoken or written, our body language, all the nonverbal things that we do too, the tone, the facial expressions, even the energy that we have. So we're constantly communicating. And yet, so many of us have trouble with communication. And actually, it's probably all of us on some level have a hard time. And this month, I thought maybe we would talk about how to up-level your communication. And this week, we're going to talk all about connection. And next week, I have a wonderful guest on, Sheila McDonald, and she's a speech pathologist. And we are going to talk all about communication resilience and what to do when there's communication breakdown. And then later in the month, I'm going to talk about different communication styles and how to have difficult conversations. And then to top it off, I do a masterclass every month. I, that's my goal or almost every month. I know I'll be skipping a couple of months due to some exciting things going on in my family. But for the month of May, I will be doing a masterclass all about communication, things that you can do to improve your communication. So you won't want to miss that. That is taking place on May 25th. And you could go to my website or on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. And there are links to sign up for the masterclass. If you can't attend the actual class, then replays are sent out. So go sign up. And you can get the replay and you can learn how to up-level your communication. But today we're going to talk about connection. And I really wanted to start here because connection is the foundation for good communication. Now I turn to the queen of connection herself, Brene Brown, and what her definition is. And she defines connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued when they can give and receive without judgment, 
and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Now, humans, we are wired for connection. We're a tribal species and we want to be included as part of the group. And this is one of the reasons why Brene Brown says that disconnection is so painful and why chronic disconnection leads to social isolation and loneliness and feelings of powerlessness because it is in our neurobiology to connect. Now, Deb Dana wrote a book called Anchored, which is a great book that talks so much about the nervous system. And she shared some things about connection that I found fascinating. And I just wanted to set the stage and share them with you. She says, we are wired for connection. So just like Brene Brown, she agrees. We are constantly on a quest to feel safe in our bodies, in our environments, and in our relationships. Co-regulation is what is called a biological imperative, meaning we don't survive without it. Now, co-regulation is basically the process whereby one nervous system calms another and it produces a feedback loop that is soothing for both people. So basically we feed off each other's support to feel safe and secure and to get to calm. So Dana continues, she says, without connections, we have difficulty regulating emotions, experiencing less self-esteem, and we struggle to create lasting, healthy relationships. Now to meet our needs for connection, it's not actually necessary to have relationships that are always in balance. We require relationships that are reciprocal. In fact, we build resilience in relationships when we feel connected, experience a rupture, and then find our way back to repair. It's actually only when the rupture happens without repair that our longing for connection brings suffering. So the cycle of reciprocity, rupture, and repair is the natural way of healthy relationships. Now, lack of connection actually brings a lot of health consequences and creates a daily experience of suffering. But it is important to note that the research shows that it's not our actual circumstances, but rather a perception of being lonely that causes the risk. So this is something we'll talk a little bit more in a bit, because as you might have suspected, connection is not a result of circumstances. We're definitely going to dive into that. We know that feelings come from our thoughts. And connection is considered a key ingredient that enables resilience. Now, there are different forms of connection. There's a connection to yourself. There's a connection to others. There's a connection to the world. And then there's connection to spirit. Today, we're going to be talking more about that connection to others because other people matter and we need to have strong relationships. Now, connection is a feeling. And what do we know about feelings? Well, they are created by our thoughts. We often think of connection as something that somebody else offers us, but it's actually something that we offer ourselves. And that, of course, is great news because then we are in charge of it. We can become more connected with someone just by thinking, connecting thoughts about them. All relationships are actually based on our thoughts. And this holds true for people who are physically in our lives or not. So think about it. I can simply bring life to a relationship with my father who passed away by simply revisiting with him in my mind. All I have to do is think of him now. And then I can also think of like an old friend or a colleague who's no longer in my life. I think this is really important to remember because when we're feeling alone and we want to feel connected, 
we are able to create so much connection by changing our thoughts. We are fully capable of connecting with people in our minds, virtually, or in present. But as much as connection is a feeling that we do create, it's also important to remember that we are the circumstance in somebody else's life. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you're familiar with the model, which hopefully you are, if you're not, you can go back to previous episodes. I'm not sure which episode number it is. Maybe it's episode eight. Anyhow, it's called the equation of life. And I explain what the model is. And it basically goes like this. There's a circumstance, an event, a neutral data point. This is kind of like the blank canvas that we have. And it's often out of our control. It's not easily changed. It's a fact that no one disagrees with. So circumstances can be things like our past or a diagnosis, disease and injury that we have. They're basically the things that we can't change. But other people are also our circumstances. We can't control them. We can't control what they say, what they think, what they do, what they feel. Now, we may be able to influence them, but essentially they have the freedom to do whatever it is that they want. Now, what we do have control over is what we think about the circumstance, what we make it mean, what thoughts we choose to have about it. Because all our thoughts are 100% optional, which is good news because our thoughts create our feelings. And our feelings fuel our actions and inactions. And then our actions and inactions create the results of our life. So that's uh, the model in a nutshell. Now, if you notice other people, where would we put them? Well, they're not thoughts. They're not feelings. They're not actions. They're not results. Other people are circumstances. So if we put them in that circumstance line, we then get to decide what we think about them and what thoughts we have about them. But that means we are other people's circumstance. They get to choose what they think about us and what thoughts they have about us. So that means people can have thoughts about us that will either create connection or create distance. Now, one thing we hear about in the world of business is that in order for people to buy from you, they need to know, like, and trust you. They need to think thoughts that lead them to know, like, and trust you. It's about how they feel about you and their feelings are created by their thoughts. It's the same for any connection, really, not just in business. People want to know, like, and trust you. That's how they're going to connect. Now, you know, I've taught that what other people think about us is none of our business. We can't control their thoughts. We can't control what they think about us. But that does not mean we get to go around and act like jerks. Well, I guess we could if we wanted to. But we are in people's lives as their circumstance. And I know for me, I want to be a circumstance that is easy for people to have good thoughts about. So I want to be the kind of person that people can know, like, and trust. So today I'm going to talk about some of the things that we can do that could be the circumstance in somebody's life. So we can be that circumstance that they want to connect with, that they find it easy to have good thoughts about. I'm going to give you just some different things to consider that will affect connection, that will impact their thoughts. You don't have to work on all these things, but you may notice that you're stronger in some areas than others. So just pick one and focus on that. So let's start with some basics about connection. How do we increase connection? Well, the first thing we can do is to be approachable. 
And the easiest way to do that is by smiling. Just think about if you're in a crowded room, feeling a little insecure, feeling a little out of place, feeling a little lonely, and you look up and you look around the room and you see people frowning or just staring at you with a blank stare. And then you turn and you see somebody smiling. Who are you most drawn to? Well, obviously the person who's smiling. And this is because one of the ways that we can calm our nervous system is through connecting. When the stress response is activated in our bodies, we release different neurochemicals and one of them is oxytocin. So when you're in that room and you're feeling insecure, your body is likely going to go into a threat response, a stress response. It's looking around and it's thinking, this is unfamiliar. This seems dangerous. I don't like this. And then different neurochemicals are going to be released. And some of those neurochemicals don't feel so good, but one of them is oxytocin and oxytocin makes us crave connection. So that's why when we're feeling stressed, it's really helpful to just have somebody to be with us, like the light touch, a warm smile, just the presence of being somebody. So starting off with a smile is offering connection and it supports and calms the nervous system. I won't go into tons of detail about it right here, but I'll do a podcast down the road about something called the polyvagal system because it talks really about social connection being an important part of being able to regulate ourselves. So the first thing to create connection with others is to smile. Now, the next thing I want to offer about connection is to be present. When we are with somebody, whether we're meeting them for the first time, whether we've known them for a long time, we want to be present. People can pick up whether you want to be there or not. They pick up if you're distracted. Now, there's nothing worse than talking to somebody and noticing that they're glancing like past you or around you looking to see if there's anything else or anybody else, or if they're constantly checking their phone or seem completely absent. And I think we've all been guilty about that. I know I'm sometimes guilty of that, especially when it comes to technology, like checking phones. But I will often let the person know if I'm expecting a certain message or if I have to be checking my phone for a particular reason, just so that they know it's not them. It's still not the best thing to do, but at least it acknowledges that I understand that I am not connecting. I'm not acting connected when I'm in your presence and I'm constantly looking at my phone. When we don't show that we're present, we're actually sending the person a message that something else is more important than them. And when we send that message, it's hard to stay connected. And it's hard for the other person to have thoughts that will create feelings of connection towards us because often their thoughts are things like, she doesn't care enough to be here. Clearly what's happening on her phone is most important. So be present, get rid of distractions, create an environment around you that's conducive to communicating. Now let the person know that they are the most important person at that moment. And if you have to be distracted for any particular reason, then just let them know. Because I know sometimes it's also common, like as a parent, that you may want to be present. So your children might be pulling at your legs or they may be needing something, but just acknowledge to the person that you're with, that you're trying to connect with them. Although you know that these distractions may be distracting. Now, the third thing you can do is to be curious and interested. People will struggle connecting with you if they don't believe that you care. And again, while it may be their thought, remember, we're trying to make it easy for them to have good thoughts about us. 
So if you do care, then you want to show that you care. How do you do that? Well, one simple way is just by being curious and interested. Ask questions. Get them to talk about themselves. Ask some follow-up questions. Give them the stage and have a genuine interest in them. And so I don't mean bombard them with questions like they're in an inquisition. I like to look at it as vertical questioning versus horizontal questioning. Now, vertical questioning is where you ask one question and then they give you information and then you follow up with another question, trying to go deeper in the topic to get a better sense of what they're talking about and a greater understanding and greater appreciation. Whereas horizontal questioning is asking them a bunch of different questions about different things. You're just kind of bouncing around. You're not going deep. It's all surface questions that you're asking. Sometimes you may even be asking the same question in different ways. Now, you kind of want to do both. You want to cover a variety of topics to get a sense of where things are and who they are, but you also do want to go a little bit deeper on some topics. Of course, what you cover will really depend on how much you know about the person already, but whether it's your first time meeting or somebody that you're married to, being genuine and curious will connect you. Now, the fourth thing to do is to be authentic. Don't try to agree with people just for the sake of agreeing because you think that's what they want to hear. Often we go into people-pleasing mode because we don't like conflict and we think other people would prefer if we just agreed with them. But people-pleasing can actually really hurt a connection. Eventually, people find out if you're not being authentic or if you're saying things just for the sake of like keeping them quiet or pleasing them. And that can really erode trust in a relationship. So mean what you say or don't say it. It's much better that you have an honest conversation, even if it's difficult. That's why I'm devoting a whole podcast to it in the next couple of weeks, because we want to be authentic in our communication if you want to create connection. And that kind of ties into our next one, which is the fifth one. Be kind, true, and necessary or run this through everything that you do, run through the filter of being kind, true, and necessary. And this is a concept that I used to teach my kids when they were younger. And it's kind of like a higher version of the standard. If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. Now, I think that sometimes we have to say things that are difficult and we want to be authentic, but there is a way that we can say them. So we have to ask ourselves, is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Do I really need to share this with this person? I think you need to check in with what your motivations are. Are you saying it just so that you can feel better? Is this all about you? Or are you really thinking of the other person? If you do think it's necessary, then you want to be truthful. And being truthful usually means that everything is 50-50. So ask yourself, what else is true when you share with them your truth? So you may share like you're disappointed in them for a certain reason. But then also let them know that there are many times that you're very proud. You may want to share that there's some things they need to improve on. But you may also want to let them know that there's many things they don't need to improve on. You just want to make sure that you're very aware that what you're saying may be true for you, but not true for others. So it can be important to have that balance. And then lastly, you want to be kind. You may feel you have to say something. You may feel it's a truth but there's no reason to not be kind when sharing it. So check in with yourself. 
I think many times if we run it through the filter of kind, true, and necessary, we'll either realize that we don't really need to share it, that it would be better if we just learned how to manage our own mind and deal with our own stuff than to just push it on somebody else. And other times we do have to share it, but there's always a way that we can do it while loving everybody in the story. Now, the sixth way to connect with people is something that Brene Brown talks about. It's a concept called common enemy intimacy. Basically, we want to check in about how we are bonding with somebody. So I'm going to share with you what Brene Brown says about common enemy intimacy and how basically you, she describes that it's friendships built on mutual dislike of another person or a group of people. It's forged through gossip, complaints, and venting. So the relationship is formed quickly because of the intense shared emotions, but it carries with it an expectation and acceptance of complaining about your shared enemy. And she talks about how common enemy intimacy is counterfeit connection and the opposite of true belonging. If we bond, we share with others. If the bond we share with others is simply that we hate the same people, the intimacy we experience is often intense and immediately gratifying and an easy way to discharge outrage and pain. It is not, however, the fuel for real connection. It's fuel that runs hot, burns fast, and leaves a trail of polluted emotion is what she talked about in her book, Braving the Wilderness. She continued, she said that common enemy intimacy sets a negative precedent, which can cause a friendship to turn sour, resulting in the relationship fizzling out or friends turning into frenemies. After all, how long will it take you to start projecting your negative feelings about those around you onto each other? So I want to check, I want you to check in with yourself about how you are connecting with other people. I was at a mastermind not so long ago. And like everything else, it's 50-50. If you look for challenges, they were there for sure. But it was interesting because I moved around from different groups of different people that I had met. Now I had never met any of these people, not one person, only through Zoom. And then a bunch of people like not even through Zoom. What was interesting though, is how I connected with people. There were some lovely women that I met in line while we were waiting to check in. And we shared using like humor and laughter and curiosity. And then with another group, we shared some of our challenges with our businesses. I also connected with people individually. And that was through sharing some of our, like our life history, our reasons why we're coaches. But then there was this other group that I was in just for a period of time. It was like over one of the meals that had a lot of complaints, like a lot of negativity. There was some dissatisfaction about the conference, about the school, about the tools that we use. And I'm not even saying that they were completely off base because I mean, I could totally see some of their points, but the bonding that was happening was really coming from common enemy bonding. I look at it like, what fire are you feeding? And where you pour the gas, the flames will get stronger. Where you water the garden, the plants will grow. So if you want to connect, then bonding over complaining about something may initially feel good, but then it stops and it's short-lived. And what also happens, what Brene Brown talks about is the realization, if you can talk about someone else so easily and openly, then it must be very easy for you to talk about me when I'm not around. 
Now, I definitely know that I'm guilty of this. I complain. I will talk about something. And I do think it's a fine line between sharing with someone because of your need to express your feelings versus common enemy intimacy. I think if you're trying to connect with someone through common enemy intimacy, then you're on thin ice. So just watch what the intention is. Are you bonding with them over positive things? Are you bonding with them over negative things? Are you allowing yourself to vent? Because venting is a way that makes you feel closer and more connected to the person you're venting to. So just be aware of what the motivation is. Be aware of what the motivation is of the person who's listening or who's doing, who's in the conversation with you. You just want to make sure that you're not bonding over that common enemy. Now, number seven, another way we connect is through feedback. And again, this can tie back into the kind, true, necessary, because there is always a way to give feedback. And I think it's helpful to use the kind, true, necessary filter before we share feedback. But it's also how we receive the feedback. What is the spirit in which we are receiving? So again, connection is created by our feelings. If we say we feel very connected to someone, it really has everything to do with the thoughts that we're having. We're having thoughts like, they get me, they understand me, they want to be with me, they care about me. And when we're not connecting, our thoughts are more like, they don't understand me, nobody gets me. It can even turn into a bit of a victim-speak monologue in our head. Poor me, I'm misunderstood, no one cares, they hurt my feelings, nobody likes me. But I want to offer to you, you get to use your agency to decide how to take in what other people say, especially when they're providing feedback what you make that feedback mean. Can you get curious as to why they're saying it? What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Can you see both perspectives? Can you shift your perspective to include theirs? By trying to understand perspectives, you open up your heart and your mind and you're allowing acceptance and compassion and non-judgment. And when you do that, you will create more connection. Now, the eighth thing you can do is you want to invest time in order to create connection. We actually do have to invest the time. They say it's quality and not quantity. And while quality is certainly important, and we've talked about that, you want to be present, you want to be kind, you want to get curious, be interested, share perspectives. Time also counts. You can expect to be able to connect with someone if you're not investing time in the relationship. And maybe that will mean scheduling connection time. If you're feeling disconnected from someone, it's okay to ask for time to connect, to have some uninterrupted time, just to be present with each other. Then you can create shared experiences and memories. And later, if you start to feel disconnected again for a period, you are able to return back to those memories. Now, the ninth thing you can do is listen. Now, we're going to dive more into this as a communication strategy in the podcast on difficult conversations and in the masterclass on communication. But part of connecting is allowing the other person, letting them know that you are connecting with to feel heard. And an easy way to do that is to just listen. And there's that saying that says, we only have one mouth and two ears, and we should use that in proportion. (laughs) So take time to listen. And Stephen Covey, He had the principle, seek to understand first or seek first to understand before being understood. And I think it's also important to seek to understand rather than trying to prove yourself right. We cannot connect with people if we're just trying to prove them wrong all the time. 
Now we can connect with people if we go in with the attitude that we're both right and both wrong. Listen to really understand and not be planning what our response is. That's a big one that often we all do. We want to be open to somebody else's perspective. We want to go in with the goal of broadening our perspective. Understanding does not mean agreeing, but to be open to be taught things that will help you form your decision. And it also starts with that beginner mind. If you're entering conversations with the idea that you already know it all, then you're really limiting that connection. But again, we're going to dive deeper into these in the masterclass and a later podcast episode. Lastly, this is like a practical way to connect is remember to use somebody's name. And I know it can be hard and I'm planning on doing some more podcasts about memory and we're going to cover that. And in fact, I'm currently preparing a digital course all about memory. And there's a whole section on how to best remember people's names. But you want to remember somebody's name because it shows them that you think they're important. It's a way to acknowledge them, to allow them to feel seen, to remember we all have that basic need of significance And saying and knowing somebody's name is a way to connect by letting them know you matter, you're important, you are unique. So those are some quick tips that I have about connecting. We want to be approachable. We want to be smiling. We want to be present with the people that we are trying to connect with. We want to be curious and interested and ask questions. We want to be authentic. We're not just going to be people-pleasing, saying what we think they want to hear, But we also want to be kind, true, and necessary using that filter. We want to be careful that we're not bonding over common enemy intimacy, that we're not bonding over negativity, that we are looking at connecting by how we also accept the feedback. And again, um, looking at the filters that we use to accept feedback. We are investing time in order to create that connection We are listening with the intent to understand as opposed to give a response or to be right. And lastly, we're trying to use somebody's name. So I would love to hear from you. What do you find is the best way to connect with people? What are some of the tips that you have that improves your connection with others? And again, I want to emphasize connection truly is something that we create with our thoughts. So if it's something that you struggle with, then reach out And I can help you with that. We can set up a consultation and I can share with you what are some of the ways and some of the things that we can do in coaching that will help improve the connection that you have with others in your life. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.